When we doubt in the Lord and let ourselves be overtaken and controlled by our emotions, ultimately by sin in us because doubt is sin, then we will fail. And we will fail in two ways, physically here and now and spiritually because it affects what comes after. That's why we need to be so careful because everything we do here and now obviously produces consequences here and now, but more importantly, it impacts our eternity. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be talking about facing difficult circumstances. It is a mistake to believe that we can make this world a perfect place. Sin will never let this world be perfect. Sin destroys and causes death, and it's the reason for why we will face difficult circumstances, even those that are not our own doing. One thing is certain, and that is that we are always free to choose how to act in every situation. And of course, God cares about what we choose to do. We can determine every outcome depending on how we choose to react. Today's message is inspired on 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 to 19. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, O Lord. Your will be done. Heavenly Father, blessed are you, O Lord God, for you are worthy of all things, of all praise, of all majesty, of all glory. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for forgiveness. As King David said, my sin is always before me. Heavenly Father, I can only lean on your mercy and in your grace. In the name of Jesus, O Lord, I pray now that you may help us to understand your word, your message. Help us, O Lord, to be attentive to your Holy Spirit, that you may speak to our hearts and to our minds. Blessed are you, O Lord God. Help us to understand, O Lord, that we need to know how to react in every circumstance. Help us to know how to deal with our situations through your Holy Spirit, through your word, through your wisdom. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that the choices that we make here and now can impact also the here and now, but more importantly, eternity. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be reading today from 1 Samuel chapter 30. Verses 1 to 19. This is the word of the Lord. Now it happened when David and his men came to Siglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Siglag, attacked Siglag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept, until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Elnoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Amalek's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, 
Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, and he and the six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and four hundred men, for two hundred men stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten nor bread or drunken water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Siglag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because all of the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except four hundred young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. I think if we were honest and objective, we would realize that the majority of times we bring about difficult circumstances to ourselves due to our own sin and bad decisions. We typically cause our own challenges in one way or another. But there will be times that challenges happen that are not necessarily our fault or a result of our sins directly. And these challenges that may occur can be quite difficult, maybe even greater than the ones that we create for ourselves. Jesus spoke of tribulation and that this would come sooner or later. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In today's passage, we read that David had done nothing wrong. It doesn't appear that he sinned somewhere and that's why he was going through this very difficult time. Why does this happen then? This is something foundational that we must understand. We live in a sin-ridden world. This is the problem with sin. Sin is the reason for why we have all of the problems that we have and the reason for why we will all die at one moment or another. Sin causes suffering. And we sometimes will suffer for the sins and wrongs of others. This is why God hates sin. No matter how harmless sin may look at times or inconsequential, it always affects things negatively. And we need to make mention of this truth all of the time so that we don't forget what sin does so that we understand our true enemy. For the wages of sin is death. In these circumstances or times of tribulation, especially the ones that are not our fault, we should not turn against God. Most people blame God, and yes, God allows for things to happen, but sin is always the reason for the suffering. We can never forget that. And this is why, again, God hates sin, because it complicates and makes everything difficult and painful and so on. 
In Proverbs chapter 6, it says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. In one way or another, sin will always hurt someone. And what makes things even more challenging is that in this world, there is sin and free will. Many times people say, why doesn't God stop or change whatever bad situation is happening? Why does God allow for all bad things that are happening in the world to happen? And the answer is simple. God allows for many bad things to happen for judgment. God cannot condemn someone for having done nothing wrong. And the whole premise of free will is to allow people to do the right or wrong they want to do. But also, that is the way that judgment is made possible. Everything that everyone does has consequences, depending on whether they do good or evil. If they have done what is right before the eyes of the Lord, they will be judged accordingly. And in the same manner, if a person does evil out of their own free will, then they will be judged by that as well. Free will ultimately makes judgment possible. And believe it or not, love is the reason for free will. In love, there is no forcing of anything. God did not make us into robots. He gave us reasoning and understanding. And his desire is that we look for him because we want to. And that if we do what is right and pleasing to him, that our reason and understanding is somehow involved. And he desires for our reasoning or desire to do things right is because we have learned to love him out of our own free will. I don't believe there is a single person that wants for someone to be with him for ulterior motives, for a reason other than love. And we get that desire from God because we were made in God's image and likeness. God does everything out of love, in one way or another, because He is love. He chose to love us, to love mankind. And God would want for mankind to return that love, for us to reason and understand what He has done and does continually for us, and to return that love. But most people choose not to love God. Most people either hate, dislike, and or try to use God. But very, very few people choose to love the Lord. And when a person does not love God, they will sin willfully. And this brings us back to the issues that these cause, the injustices in the world. The Lord told us that we may suffer injustice because ultimately people choose to hate and despise God. In Matthew chapter 5, it tells us, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you see the injustice that can happen all because other people choose to hate God when people out of their own free will will follow their own sin? People will persecute us because of righteousness sake, because we are actually doing what is right before the Lord. People will revile us and persecute us and they will lie about what we do all because we are trying to please God. That is what happened to many prophets. Quite simply, because they were the messengers for the Lord, because they chose to do the Lord's will on earth. Terrible things happened to those prophets. Awful things were done to them. They were discriminated against, persecuted, tortured, and killed in so many different ways. All because they chose to love the Lord and to do what he told them to do. They suffered for no wrongdoing. If we understood today's passage, 
did we read of David doing anything wrong to the Amalekites? Was there a reason for their invasion, for their attack, for their burning of the city and taking everyone there captive? No. Neither David nor his people do anything wrong to the Amalekites. Yet these Amalekites did wrongfully to David and to his people. And they did what they did out of their own free will because they did not fear the Lord, because they did not care for doing what is right. They did however they pleased and therefore made David and his people suffer unjustly. What can we do in response to these injustices that may and can happen to us? Within free will, we always have the ability to react. Therein lies the whole reason for free will and judgment, so we can choose how to react even when we are suffering injustices. In Romans chapter 8, verses 28, it tells us this truth, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Everything can work in our favor, especially the injustices in this world when we choose to love God and to do as He tells us to do. The Bible even tells us that we need to love our enemies and that we need to forgive when we are wronged. That's fairly difficult to say the least to do on our own, especially since I don't believe anyone has within themselves the ability to love those that do evil to them unmeritedly, unjustly, and here is where it should become evident to us that we need the Lord in our lives, that we need his power, his presence, his guidance, because we need to be like him, to be able to do good like him. We can't do this on our own. This is what the Bible teaches. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rains on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Sin within us is what makes us want to fight back when we are wronged. But when we repent from all of our sins and we turn with all of our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're able to have the Holy Spirit dwell in our lives and make possible this miracle to start becoming and acting the way God does with us, to respond to evil and love rather than in a sinful manner. And that's what we need to do with God. When we are wronged, we should not blame God or turn to hate Him because it is not His fault. We should look to love Him so that whatever happens to us becomes an eternal benefit. This is where loving and following the Lord becomes something very practical. Because if we understand the big picture, we would then be able to reason that eternity and what we gain in eternity is far more important than the temporary here and now. We read in today's passage that rather than David turning against God, he turned to God, and he that is strengthened in the Lord his God. The Lord allows for things to happen to see how we will react and to give us the opportunity to do that which is right before him, especially during unfair and unjust times. The other person or people that are choosing to do wrong, if they don't repent from that, they will pay inevitably. But we will also be held accountable to how we choose to react and if we look to the Lord or turn away from him. We're always free to react, 
And we see the example in David that he looked for the Lord and for his direction. The other thing we can glean from this passage is that David was well in control of his emotions and his actions because he wasn't just reacting to things. He even exercised mercy with the Egyptian servant they found that was abandoned by the Amalekites. Rather than just reacting and thinking that this man was with him and to just do away with him, he thought about things more carefully. He could have been completely distraught and out of control because his family was taken and everyone else's also. He could have had all kinds of things running in his mind all of the time. And maybe those thoughts were there, but they did not overtake him. This teaches us that we must think and meditate before reacting. We should not let ourselves be overtaken by our circumstances. We need to make a conscious decision to trust in the Lord, to look for his direction and rely on him no matter how things seem. The Bible teaches us this. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will be not brought under the power of any. What does this mean? We are free to do anything we want to do. And here comes free will again. But just because we are free to do anything doesn't mean that it makes sense to do everything we want. And even though there are things that are good and are acceptable, we cannot allow ourselves to be governed by them. We must be ultimately governed by the Lord and by our love for him. He must be the one we love above all things. So in David's case in this passage, he must have felt so many different things during these circumstances. He must have felt anger, anxiety, stress, impotence, you name it. But he didn't allow for any of those things to control him. You can feel these things. They're perfectly natural. And it's not sin to feel whatever you need to feel. But they cannot govern your life. They cannot direct your actions. That is the practical side of trusting in the Lord, looking for his direction and relying on him and on his instruction. We have so many things in God that if we truly understand them and believe in him, we will really come to know that we have nothing to worry about. The issue most of the time is, do we believe in who and what the Lord is capable of? Do we truly understand that he has good intentions in everything, even the difficult things he may allow to happen to us? Doubt is the number one enemy of faith, and doubt will destroy any and all possibilities for success, especially in eternity. One of the many examples we see in the Bible about doubt, and what it does, is when Peter walked on water. John relates to us the story where it says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had gone down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. 
When we doubt in the Lord and let ourselves be overtaken and controlled by our emotions, ultimately by sin in us because doubt is sin, then we will fail. And we will fail in two ways, physically here and now and spiritually because it affects what comes after. We must always be aware that that's why we need to be so careful because everything we do here and now obviously produces consequences here and now, but more importantly, it impacts our eternity, especially if we don't repent from things that are sinful. When we come to Christ, that doesn't mean that we'll be perfect here and now. We need to undergo a process of change, of transformation, as we pursue the Lord and allow for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. God is interested in not just saving us, but also changing us and making us new and different in the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ, because He is perfect. We are on the road to perfection through the work of the Holy Spirit and the washing of the Word of God. So what do we see at the end of the story with David? Do we see defeat? Do we see David destroyed and his people completely abandoned? The passage tells us this. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And it continues saying, And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. And so God gave him the victory. God helped David. But why? Because David trusted in the Lord. He looked for the Lord. He took his direction from the Lord. And he did things that pleased God. Difficult and challenging circumstances will come. And sometimes they will not be our fault. We may not be the ones responsible for what happens, but we are responsible for everything that happens within the limits of what is under our control. And the main thing that is within our responsibility is the way we choose to react to our circumstances, especially during times of tribulation. The good news is that if we choose to put our complete trust in the Lord and follow his instruction, looking to do his will, We'll be more than conquerors in the afterlife where it really matters. Everything that we do here and now for the Lord counts toward eternity. Throughout the Bible, we can read that God never promised us a paradise while living in this flesh. We're always going to have challenges, difficulty, and even tribulation. The Lord gave us clear indication, as we read before, that we will be persecuted for doing what is right before His eyes, and that we will even suffer injustice. The sin in the world and in the people will cause all kinds of pain and heartache in our lives, even when we do things right before the Lord, even if we obey Him. But the most important guarantee that we have through Jesus Christ is eternal life and eternal reward. The good that we do here and now may not see its reward here and now, but we will certainly see it in the future. That's why the Word of God encourages us to always strive to do what is right, to love the Lord, and to press towards the future. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In Romans chapter 8 it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? 
as it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Revelations chapter 21, it also says, And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And finally, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I would challenge you to look for the Lord in every circumstance. Rely on him. Trust in him. Do as he tells you to do. Overcome the sin in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit so you can gain those things that truly matter, the things that nothing or no one in this world can give you. All things here are passing, but what God has to offer through the Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, blessed God, help us, O oh Lord, to understand this free will that you've given us, this ability to choose. Help us to understand, Lord God, that you have given us reasoning and understanding and that we ultimately want love. Heavenly Father, I pray that you help us through through the circumstances to be able to look for you. Help us, O oh Lord, to be able to learn to love you. Help us, O oh Lord, Heavenly Father, to understand that we are truly free to choose, to choose for Christ, to choose for salvation, to choose for the forgiveness of sins, to choose to be freed from our sins, from the consequences of death, Lord God, that we are free to be able to grasp those things that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, O Lord, that you have opened such a wide door through the cross, through the blood of your Son, and that what we need to do is repent from all of our sins and to take Jesus as the Lord of our lives. And that, Lord, Heavenly Father, that if we follow you, Lord God, and we choose to put our trust in you, that, Lord, we have so much to gain. Heavenly Father, help us to understand through our difficult circumstances that we need you, that we need to focus on you, that we need to obey you, Lord God, so that we can gain those things that truly matter. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, O oh Lord, to look beyond what we see here and now and to understand and to know through and through that there is an eternity waiting for those that love you. I give you thanks and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.